This is the Heal from Toxic Relationships podcast with me, Dr. Sarah, empowering you to heal from painful relationships to rediscover your self-worth and confidence because you are ready to be the best version of yourself. Hello, my friends. And today we are going to be talking about why do empaths attract narcissists? And you know what? I am going to push the boat out there and say, why are empaths also attracted to narcissists? Now, this might be a really painful topic and it might be something kind of difficult for you to hear. So if this evokes anything in you, please feel free to reach out to me at Heal Toxic Relationships on Instagram or at www.healtoxicrelationships.com. Now, let's get back to it. Why are empaths attracted to narcissists? Well, actually, this is a really subconscious process and there are lots of different things going on, but ultimately here it is. Empaths, people who are high on the empathy scale, so I'm not talking about general empathy levels, but I'm talking about people who are really, really empathic, tend to have been brought up in specific environments whereby they have experienced a lot of criticism. They've experienced a lot of judgment. They've experienced a lot of threat, a lot of noise, and a lot of aggression. And it might be direct or indirect. So it might be that they've experienced it directly. Let's say if there was an abusive care parental figure, or they might have experienced it indirectly, whereby they heard a lot of shouting, they heard a lot of screaming in the household, and it could have been between the parents, for example, rather than them being specifically the person, the object of attack, right? And so what ends up happening is, is that the young child in that situation learns that they are only safe if other people are happy, if other people are okay. And so they work really, really hard to make sure that other people are okay, that other people are happy. And so in their innocent mind as a child, they start to get programmed in this way. They start to get programmed in, I have to prioritize other people. I have to run around, make sure that everybody's okay, that actually arguments are never allowed, that I just should be well behaved, that I should do X, Y, and Z. And this is in order to make sure that I am safe. Because other people are safe, because other people are okay, because there's no chaos, there's no arguments, there's no nothing happening, okay? And so what happens is when that young child lives in that environment, they are actually experiencing a high level of threat a lot of the time, emotionally and physiologically. They're they're feeling a lot of threats, and so they're wanting to keep themselves safe, and they do this via making sure that other people are happy. Because you know what? It worked in the past, and so it's probably going to work again. But unfortunately, what happens is, is that this gets programmed into the subconscious mind. So the subconscious mind really gets set by the age of around about seven. So as the child grows older and they enter relationships with other people, they have a tendency to also prioritize other people, to make sure that other people are okay, to make sure that other people are happy. And so they spend a lot of time really making sure other people are happy and suppressing their own needs. But also, it starts to get a bit skewed. And so what they start to believe is that other people's needs are a reflection of my own needs. So, for example, 
if somebody is happy, if my partner is happy because they've succeeded at work, then I experience a sense of relief. But if my partner is not happy with work, then it becomes my issue. It becomes my duty of care to to help this person solve this problem. And so uh, actually, it's it's not your duty of care because the thing is, is that sure, you can chat to your partner about your problems and, and share and problem solve together. But at the same time, it's not for you to take full ownership over this. It's actually going to be your partner's ownership to take over, right? It's, it's your partner's work and career. It's not it's not you for you to solve. I mean, that's, that's kind of like a tangential conversation, but ultimately what happens is, is that the empath, the person who's really high on the empathy scale, starts to forget that they have needs. They start to forget that they are, as an individual, as a whole, that they have their own needs and they prioritise everything to do with their partner and they interpret that their partner's needs or that other people's needs are more important and their partner's needs equal my needs. My needs get forgotten about. I have no needs. They're all my partner's needs. And so they don't really see this as unhealthy, but they just get programmed in this way. This is this has become the norm to them. This is kind of like the status quo for them. And so if you imagine an empath who's sitting here, who is prioritizing their partner's needs, they're prioritizing everybody else's needs and they're suppressing their own. And along comes a narcissist who has a very fragile sense of self, by the way, internally, but they present themselves as being really important. They present themselves as being priority here. And actually, because I am priority, you have to be less so because you can't have two people being priority because it just doesn't work. Then both of you would be equal. So you've got an empath who really wants to prioritize other people, who has an urge to prioritize other people because that's the only way that they really feel safe subconsciously. And then you've got a narcissist who wants to be prioritized. And so how are they not a perfect match? Because ultimately what happens is subconsciously the empath is looking for someone who wants to be priority and the narcissist is showing that. The narcissist is showing that they are priority and they need to be priority to other people. And so ultimately they become a perfect match. And so when I quite logically, objectively like this, it might feel a bit weird, it might feel a bit uncomfortable, it might not make sense logically, but this is ultimately what happens subconsciously because the subconscious isn't logical. The subconscious mind is still operating as if it was a child, a child who is innocent, who doesn't really know very much about the world. But it, but what, what ends up happening is, is that the empath scans the environment, trying to make themselves feel safe. And even though objectively they might be safe, objectively they might be all right, but throughout time, They've never really learnt the skills that they have their own needs. They've never really learnt the skills that it's okay for them to pay attention to their own needs and to prioritise themselves. What they've learnt over time is that there's always a fire somewhere and it's my duty to put it out. There is always somebody who is in need and it is my duty to help them. That is basically what they've learnt. And so actually their needs slip away in lieu of other people's needs. And so along comes an narcissist who presents with a lot of needs. And so the, the empath just gets fully attracted to this person. They just want to help. They just want to make sure that the narcissist is okay and that they're happy and that they're priority. And so 
this is this is something that's really core for you to understand because ultimately when we enter a relationship, we don't enter a relationship based on what it is that we want, but we enter a relationship based on what it is we expect. So as an empath, you subconsciously may be expecting that the other person is more important, that the other person has more important needs, that the other person needs rescuing, needs saving. And you might expect, I am the person to save. I am the person to self-sacrifice to make sure that they're okay. And so you might not want somebody to have to rescue, but actually if that's the only thing that you've ever known, if that's the only thing that you've ever grown up with that you've lived through, then that's all that you know and that's what you expect and so you enter relationships that meet that expectation. So what happens next? Well, over time, especially when we're talking about a trauma-bonded relationship, is that when the narcissist at the very start is love-bombing the empath, the empath feels a mix of emotions. So on one hand, it feels so, so nice to get that high level of love, that high level of affection, that high level of attention, care, all of the things that they get showered with at the very start of a relationship, being put on a pedestal. For an empath, that is amazing because ultimately their subconscious is wanting to be prioritized, right? But, but they don't know how to be prioritized. And the only way that they know how to is by prioritizing other people. And so what happens is, is that at the very start when you're being love bombed and your subconscious is trying to look for a solution to your problem in that, hey, I've never been prioritized. I really want to be seen and I really want to feel safe and I really want to feel appreciated. And then all of a sudden you're met with somebody who is showering you with love, with affection, who is putting you on a pedestal who is prioritizing you, by the way, then how can that not be attractive? You're wanting that, you fall into that, you embrace that as much as possible because this is your time to be prioritized. This is your time to shine. This is your time that you finally feel love, that you finally feel affection. But over time, what ends up happening is, is that there is a lot of love. There is a lot of codependency. There's a lot of trust that goes on. And so, you know, the empath might hear messages from the other person, the narcissist, things like, I love you so much that nobody else could possibly love you as much as I do. And so in that moment, they kind of feel obliged to reciprocate. They feel obliged to continue with this really fast-paced affection but also this this exclusivity, this level of intimacy. And even though in the moment it might feel like it's a healthy intimacy, but actually it's really unhealthy if I was to objectively say to you, hey, nobody else is going to love you as much as I love you. And that's not true because there's, what, 8 billion people out there in the world and actually your worth is infinite. So, you know, there's not just one single person out there for you. There are many, many people out there that would be a suitable match. But the point is, is that in that moment, when you are met with that level of intensity and that level of intimacy, the empath falls into it. The empath just wants to embrace it and wants to embody it. So then what happens? Well, they expose themselves fully and they really enter that narcissist's world. 
because the narcissist holds the door open for them and says, look, I am being really vulnerable. I am sharing my entire heart out with you. You need to be equally as vulnerable to me. In fact, you need to be fully vulnerable with me, even though we've only known each other 72 hours, but you need to be fully vulnerable with me and enter my world and let me enter yours. So all of a sudden we've got this huge level of enmeshment where it just feels so mixed and it feels so foggy and it feels so hazy, but it's filled with what feels like love, what feels like attraction. And after time, what happens is that when the narcissist is presenting the empath with a lot of criticism, with a lot of negative judgment, with aggression, it might get to, or with gaslighting, it becomes really confusing for the empath because the empath knows that their partner is capable of love. They know that their partner is capable of giving so much affection, of being so um, of being so loving, of being so attentive, because they've witnessed it, they've had it before, and they just want to get back to that stage. But all of a sudden, when the narcissist is treating the empath with criticism, with doubt, making them doubt their perception of reality, making them doubt how good enough they are, it really hits the empath very, very harshly. So rather than the empath kind of stepping out of the situation being like, oh, this is really unfair, this person's just being really nasty here, they kind of struggle to do that. And what they're more likely to fall into is the trap of questioning themselves and doubting themselves and criticizing themselves and blaming themselves. And that is simply because their sense of self, their sense of self-worth is already quite fragile in the sense that their self-worth feels dependent on how other people are and how other people respond to them. So this empath has worked so hard for so many years to please other people, to avoid criticism, to avoid judgment, to avoid being abandoned. And they meet the narcissist who gives them so much love, but then can easily take it away can easily criticize them, can easily abandon them, can easily reject them. And so it's really triggering for the empath. And so rather than the empath standing back and saying, hey, this is really unhealthy, this is not okay, they fall into that pattern of also questioning themselves, also criticizing themselves and doubting themselves because they've got nowhere else to go. And this is the pattern that they are used to. This is the relationship template that they have always known, that they've always grown up with. And so what happens is they get more and more engrossed in the relationship and they work really, really hard to please that other person, to satisfy that other person. And through this very nature, they also start losing their sense of self because actually their identity is their partner's identity. Their identity is to prioritize their partner because they just fall back into the relationship template that they have always been so used to. And so they lose their sense of self. So, you know, when we're talking about the stages of trauma bonding and loss of self is one of the stages as well, it's a natural consequence of this trajectory because this person has just been working so, so hard to try and prioritize the other person. The other person criticizes them and threatens to leave them or whatever it might be. And so they don't know what to do. And so they just work harder and harder and harder to try and get that love and affection back from their partner but then they're met with more criticism or more doubt, or they might have a simple acceptance at some stage or another just to keep them going, but then they're quickly, they're quickly shot down, they're quickly rejected again, and they're quickly neglected again. And so what happens next? 
The empath resigns all control to their partner. They resign all control to the narcissist because they say, hey, you know what? I can never do right. I've tried my best. I always try my best, but I'm always criticized. I'm always threatened with being abandoned. And I don't know what to do anymore. So you please take all control and I'm just going to be a, I'm just going to be a servant to you. I'm just going to be doing anything and everything that you want, but you have full control. And they fully resign themselves to that power dynamic within the relationship. And so what's really challenging in that moment is that the subconscious of the empath, all that they've wanted all along is to solve the problem that's inside of them, that, that difficult relationship template that they've always grown up with. And that template is, I need to prioritize other people in order for me to feel safe. And actually, you know, what happens throughout life is that the subconscious is always trying to solve these internal dilemmas, these internal conflicts. And so the subconscious is wanting to feel loved. It's wanting to feel affection. It is wanting to be prioritized. And it's wanting to get to a stage of knowing I am safe. I have needs, my needs matter, and my needs are not your needs. And it's okay for me to be equal in terms of priority as you. But the subconscious doesn't know how to do that. And so the subconscious tries to solve it in the place where it is most triggered, which is the narcissist, because the narcissist presents all the issues around prioritizing, around empathy, around self-judgment, criticism, all the rest of it. So how do we actually get out of this? How do we solve this issue? Well, the first thing is, I mean, I'm a huge advocate of therapy. And obviously, if you want any support, if you want any help, if you want to reach out to me, please do. I am on IG, on Instagram, at Heals Toxic Relationships. And uh, my website is also healtoxicrelationships.com. So please do reach out. But ultimately, what it is that we need to do is place a mirror between ourselves and the narcissist. And actually, that mirror would be facing you, be facing the empath. And what you're needing to ask yourself when you're looking in the mirror is what it is that's being triggered inside of me? What it is that is being evoked inside of me? What pain is it that I'm experiencing that I am wanting to be free from, that I'm wanting to alleviate here, what it is that I am wanting to move forward to as well. So there are really two questions. What pain do I want to be free from, but also what is it that I want to experience? What is it that I want to move forward to? And when we get to that stage, when we're able to figure out those two points, then it becomes a lot clearer for us to see, actually, I am just wanting to be seen. I am just wanting to be heard. I'm just wanting to be valued. I'm just wanting to be appreciated. And I'm wanting to leave a toxic relationship or I'm wanting to let go of criticism. I'm wanting to let go of judgment. I'm wanting to be free of that. And when we get to that stage, then the decision becomes a lot clearer. It becomes a lot, well, it's not easy, but it becomes clearer. So again, I would really advocate therapy. I would really advocate getting support around this because therapy is needed, right? Everybody needs therapy and that's okay. 
but it's really about looking in the mirror and really, really exploring what it is that you want, what it is that your subconscious mind is really looking out for. Because the more in touch that you are with your subconscious mind, with your subconscious needs, the easier it will get for you to look at what trajectory you want your life to take. It will become a lot easier for you to make the decision in terms of how it is that you embody your relationships and how it is that you move forward. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And so please do get in touch and let me know what you think about this episode and whether you are high and if any of these issues have resonated with you. And until next time, take care.